0: Welcome to the Die Hard Hoops podcast, Stephen Kramer, Taylor Kramer, for those of you that didn't know, Brooklyn Nets just lost, got swept under the rug by the up-and-coming Boston Celtics. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't. Go nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Bad boys for life. So, Taylor, what are a couple of your thoughts? I mean, because we're just saying, no way did we think the Brooklyn Nets were going to get swept in the first round.
1: First thought is, weren't you just on a 4 a.m. flight
0: yesterday? Got up at 3.30 a.m., Flew throughout the day. I mean, how crazy are planes? I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, this big, heavy building tilted sideways, flying hundreds of miles an hour through the air, landed safely, eventually made it. And here I am back in beautiful, sunny. I mean, birds were chirping, bugs buzzing, dogs barking, cats meowing, and it's a beautiful sunny day down here. I'm fired up to be back down here lots to do. And it's part procrastination because I wanted to talk with you about this because I have so much stuff to do that I don't want to do. Like I have to send like two contracts out to a school. I got to do like an online registration. I got to send an invoice out. All the things of running your own business that are like the really sucky stuff. That's like all I'm doing today until we go to basketball training tonight. So I said, hey, I'm going to text you and see if you want to do a podcast. Instead, this will be like the highlight of probably until like 5 p.m. today.
1: Yeah, man, I, I just thought you were pretty sprightly for having uh, taken such an early flight, but I think the sunshine does something to you down there. Um, but yeah, I could not believe um, the result of this. What a, what a strange place that we've ended up. Um, the, the talk and, and kind of the theme all year was, Yes. Brooklyn has some inconsistencies at one point it was with Harden on the team. And is he healthy? Is he not? Is he not just not the same player anymore? Kyrie and his vaccination status preventing him from being able to participate consistently and um, just, you know, most experts. And I think a lot of us just thought, yeah, it's fine if they get in with the seven seed um, and eight seed and they'll be able to do their damage. There's really nothing people can do with, with Kevin Durant. And then if Kyrie's in there, all the better, and maybe Ben Simmons will will make an appearance too. And the Celtics were so up and down the first part of the year. I think they were hovering around the 500 mark, and then all of a sudden just flipped this switch, which I, I feel like the Celtics in their core has been around a lot longer than what it actually has because they found some early success. Like in 2019, I think they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Tatum had a really good – rookie season in the playoffs where he kind of for for spurts would go toe-to-toe with LeBron you're thinking man this could be the team of the team of the future and they weren't that at the beginning of the year and then they turn it on and I thought this was going to be an epic first round matchup I was thinking it's going to go six it's going to go seven I I was uh, favoring Brooklyn I think there was any way they'd be able to handle Durant and um, here we are days later and it was a 4-0 sweep and 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 there's so many things you can read into this it it looks like a changing of the guard it looks like oh hey maybe I shouldn't stake so much of my team's future on a player like Kyrie Irving who just can't be counted on um, to even be there sometimes but also can't be counted on game to game he looks like one of the best point guards ever to play the game in game one hitting just a crazy array of shots and in varying ways hitting threes Um, getting to the rim, showing the touch that he has. And then from there, just, it's like a whimper just goes out with a whimper. And he always has something to say about it. Always has these um, really deep excuses that only he knows and can understand. And um, so I think in some ways I'm relieved, but I am still very, very surprised from a basketball standpoint that this is
0: where we're at. You know, there's only one guy, but when people talk about the basketball gods, you're like, you know what, I got it right this time. Because when you look at the, the Brooklyn Nets were favored to win the title this year. And I saw on SportsCenter this morning, it was the first time in history since they've been keeping track of who the favorite is going into the season to win the NBA championship that that team gets swept. And in and, and the first round, which is what just, just happened. It's it's historical, really. I mean, going into this series, I felt bad for the Boston Celtics. Hey, they turned their season around, new coach, like they've worked really hard. They've earned a number two seed, rightfully so. And now you get to play Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving in the first round. Hey, what a what a reward that is! Uh, but they they took them out like they were an actual seven seed. You know, from the basketball standpoint, Brooklyn didn't defend. Brooklyn doesn't rebound the basketball very well. Brooklyn does not have interior paint defensive players. Offensively, Brooklyn became isolation basketball. Kevin Durant bringing it down. Okay, it's my turn. Kyrie Irving, okay, you go. Your turn. And it was a lot of one-on-five, one-on-five, one-on-five. And I think that we thought going into this series that they would get enough from, you know, a a Patty Mills, maybe a Steph Curry, enough energy stuff from some of their role players, and then enough brilliance from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that that was going to be enough to win this series. But they totally – all their holes – became black holes, all right, against the Boston Celtics. With, with the scouting, how much Boston beat them up was physical. Kevin Durant was seeing like eight defenders out there, I swear. I mean, I've never seen Kevin Durant like have the ball and it looks like he's going to throw a pass and then he decides to pull it back and the ball slips out of his hands and then kind of fumbles out. He had he turned the ball over in ways that never in my life have I seen Kevin Durant turn the ball Oh, It was like you've seen ghosts out there. I mean, with with the way that he was being defended, the way that he was being pushed out, he was always wondering, like, where's my teammate going to be to help me out? If you got Tatum guarding you and then there's a ball screen switch and now it's Marcus Smart who's guarding you, who's the defensive player of the year. Oh, and you run another ball screen. Oh, and now it's it's Brown matched up with you. Okay, and then Al Horford, if they switch the big and he's guarding you, he looked like he turned back the clock 10 years ago with how he played in in this series. I mean, they got so many guys that they can throw out there and defend, and these guys are strong, and these guys are big, and these guys are mean, and they are ferocious, right? And they, they pushed out, and if it was going to be a game, like we notice in the playoffs, the game gets more physical. The refs don't blow as many of those cheap fouls that we don't really always want to see, but they blow a lot of them in the regular season. They don't blow them as much in the playoffs. The game gets more physical. It gets a little slowed down. That favors a lot of these more physical type teams. And Brooklyn got exposed. They looked slow. They looked less athletic. They looked a little bit soft. And then you combine that with the fact that their offense was ugly. I mean, Boston's coming down and they're running screens and they're going high, low, right? They're running guys off of wide pin downs, getting open for shots. And then you watch Brooklyn come down and it's one-on-one with four guys standing around. And it's just funny to think that Kevin Durant, not that long ago, was playing on the Golden State Warriors where they're running screens. The ball is flying around. It's bing, 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 bing. Guys, just shooting, sharing, quick ball movement, precise cuts, precise passes, and then you sprinkle in the individual skills of a Kevin Durant, a Steph Curry, a Clay Thompson, a, a Draymond Green. And The only thing that kept him from repeating was was injury. And it's like, man, you you. I'm glad he left Golden State because it just wasn't fair. But it's like you you pass that up to play with this style it's uh it's poetic justice
1: a little bit. I agree man I, I love that you bring the basketball gods into this and um it, it does seem like a bit of poetic justice. I mean here's a here's a guy who who left an unselfish maybe the most unselfish superstar since Tim Duncan in Steph Curry.
0: He's still coming off the bench he's still coming <laughs> he scored off. scored 30 coming off the
1: bench and he's fine with that and the the ease in which kevin durant fit into that system and could play and how how free he could be yeah it was it was something where i was like all right i'm glad that he that he's off the warriors i thought from a i still hold this to this day for as much as i appreciate durant's game um from a competitive standpoint him having joined the warriors after that 73 win season was like the most spineless move maybe I've ever seen in sports. I just, it was not something that resonated with me at all. Um, But from a legacy standpoint, I think that he tries too hard to curate his legacy and thought, well, now I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Brooklyn and, and, and win a championship here. And he joined another loaded team and seemed to be calling a lot of these shots. And so he's another example, I think, next to LeBron where great player, terrible general manager um, trying to make some decisions and curate an environment in a way that oftentimes does not end up working out. He's hitching his wagon to some terrible options and harden and uh, which then led to Ben Simmons. And who knows what that dude, I don't even know if he has a heartbeat um, and then Kyrie Irving. And so I believe that if he had stayed on the warriors, eventually we would have just gotten used to him being on the warriors And some of us would still remember how spineless of a move it was, but years down the line, we would look back and see who's that Kevin Durant dude that had seven or eight championships with the Warriors. They would have still been competing despite all their injury um, issues with the Warriors the last couple of years because they would have always had at least two stars healthy. Stafford or Durant would have been healthy together at points throughout these last few years, or Clay and one of those other options. And so it would have become the norm, and he would have just continued to just rack up championships. And I think that it would have actually been better for his legacy than trying to jump ship and, and hitch his wagon to
0: uh, to Kyrie Irving. Uh, it's funny that you brought up the, the Lakers because that was, I think, the number two pick to win the NBA championship. And so here we are. You got the two teams that were the odds-on favorite to to win it all. One doesn't even make the playoffs. The other one gets swept in the first round. And one of my favorite quotes is, talent is overrated. Talent is overrated. Now, again, think of the words in there, talent is overrated. Talent is vital. Talent is necessary. Talent is, gives you opportunities that you otherwise may not have simply just because of your, your talent level. But what you just talked about with LeBron, with Kevin Durant, talent is still overrated because when you simply put a bunch of talent together, it's a perfect example of just because you have a lot of talent. If the pieces don't fit the pieces are actually greater than the parts. And what do you want with a great team? You want the whole to be greater than the parts. Well, in, in these, this case, in the case with the Lakers as well, the pieces add up to, you know, $5. The team adds up to one, right? Same thing that we've had. And, you know, there, there's so many so many things. Durant you know had the knee injury this year he didn't as good as he is maybe he didn't have the full pep in his step because of that knee injury and to me he looked skinnier when i watched him this this year especially in the playoffs like he's a the slim reaper right one of his nicknames super skinny guy but i i don't know if it was the black or if he's actually lost some weight i wonder if it's like this dude is so stressed out. Like here he is trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Is Kyrie Irving going to like, who knows, right? It's just day to day. Is he going to, is he going to show up? Is he, you know, what, what's going to happen with him? The Ben Simmons thing, hey, we thought we got rid of Harden because Harden didn't want to be here. Even though we I brought him here to play with us, then he, he leaves. Simmons, okay, we got, got somebody who's athletic, he can come out, he could he be, you know, play center if he wants to, bring it up if he wants to. Okay, well, he, he's not playing anymore. I thought he said he was going to play if he got traded. But now he got traded, but now he's not going to play. I wonder if he's like – he looked to me like he lost like 10 or 15 pounds, I swear. Um, and you can't do that against a, a dog defensive team like the Boston Celtics who the way they hounded him – there were times where when he had the ball on the top of the key, it looked like they were in a one-two-two matchup zone. No, they weren't. They, they were, you know, playing man-to-man. But, you know, they, they put guys kind of just outside the lower blocks on the baseline to really protect the paint if there was a drive there. And they would put the two wing defenders really just kind of standing them right outside the elbow area. So when he had the basketball at the top of the key, he's got Tatum eyeing him up, who's big, strong, this point in his career, he's more athletic, he's faster, he's quicker, and then he's seeing a guy at each elbow where he likes to make some of his moves and pull up in somebody's face, and they're basically standing there, and they're daring him to pass the basketball and say, somebody else beat us, and he had so many turnovers where he's trying to shake and make a move, make a move, and he had a ton, a ton of turnovers, and if he wasn't able to get a lot of free throws, um, some of the stats would have been much, much worse, which, again, shows that he's, you know, an, an all-time great player. But the way that they defended him and loaded up early showed me a couple things. One, they have that high-end talent of Durant and Kyrie, but they don't have enough guys that can make you pay. I mean, they they didn't have to guard Claxton. They didn't have to guard him, right? Even when he got the ball in the paint, he would miss the layup. They didn't have to guard Drummond, right? And we knew that from when he was playing at the Pistons. Like, when he went over, I was like, "This guy's not the answer. Like, this is not gonna Brooklyn's not gonna be satisfied with him." Blake Griffin, and he's old. He's really, really old. Right? He can't move anymore. Um, and then, who's the really athletic small guy that they have? I'm trying to think. Guard. It's on the tip of my tongue. He he. he Brown is Brown his last name. Oh, Bruce Brown.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bruce Brown, six two, power forward.
0: So, so like man I, I respect his game and how he goes about playing hard and everything but Bruce Brown's not going to beat you so they didn't they didn't guard him right and then Bruce Brown does his damage on basket cuts and offensive rebounds and they did a great job swarming defensively so when Bruce Brown is standing at the three-point line his defender can stand at 15 feet away from the basket helping on Kevin Durant and they did a, just an excellent job loading up because they knew, Hey, there's nobody else out here is going to beat us combined with the fact that I don't know if this is a Steve Nash thing. I mean, I was trying to think of like what made Steve Nash so good. And it was basically just get four out or five out and let me dribble around, create and run a bunch of ball screens. And I'm a good enough passer and a good enough shooter. Like it's all going to work out. There wasn't a whole lot of movement outside of playing off of the ball handler when Steve Nash was playing. I wonder if that was part of how he was designing this offense, except when you got a a score-first player instead of a pass-first player like Nash was, if you don't run some of those off-ball actions to loosen up the defense, it really becomes one-on-five, and they're just all eyeballs on Kevin Durant or Kyrie, which makes the game – a heck of a lot easier because they don't play hardly anybody ever has played like Steve Nash, but a lot of their offense reminded me of if Steve Nash were to suit up and play for the Nets for 20 minutes a game, he'd make those guys look a heck of a lot better, right? Because he was looking to penetrate the paint, dribble back out, penetrate the paint, draw multiples and kick. And that's not the game of of Kevin Grant. That's not the game of Kyrie Irving. And with all that said, if they do kick it out, they don't have a a ton of shooters, you know, and and having Harris injured all season, um, who is somebody who has at least some size with his shooting ability, was a a bigger loss than I think we we thought it was uh, just because when they put shooting out there on the court, they were small shooters, which means they got abused defensively, and they got abused on the defensive side of the ball. And you really could only put Curry or Patty Mills out there one at a time. And sometimes neither one of them were out there because of the liability that they were from a size standpoint on on the defensive end. And it was just a all systems fail type situation for the Brooklyn Nets. And so, as we as we finish this out, Tay, what are your thoughts moving? moving forward or, or is there anything that you wanted to say? I mean, you mentioned a little bit about Kyrie and Katie and, and just uh, it's puzzling, man. You just wonder what makes uh, certain people kind of do and think and make certain decisions. huh?
1: Uh, oh man. It's like a, uh, it's like a psychology experiment or sociology <laughs> experiment over in the Brooklyn um, locker room. I think a lot of things come to mind in the sense of um. I think that we're going to see this kind of cultural shift in the NBA. There's been um, in in previous years, organizations have taken a couple of different approaches and they're kind of both at opposite ends of the spectrum. One is, okay, I work for such an organization if I'm a general manager where I can get the top guys in the league, Uh, they're attracted to my organization and want to come play. And once I get those guys, I kind of wash my hands and pass the responsibility of winning games and championships off on the players. And those players, they say that like this whole Brooklyn situation, it was 100% a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Durant telling the organization, get, get these guys here. We'll do the rest. Don't worry about it. And they didn't do that. Now, some of it was due to injuries, but a lot of it was just due to the fact that they failed. And we've seen that the Clippers might be another example, and theirs is related to injuries. But here's the Clippers organization, and they do a better job of, of rounding out um, a team and still competing. Uh, and 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 I think that a lot of that is due to, to the, their coaching. But let's get Paul George and, and Kawhi in here, wring our hands of it, and just watch them take over the NBA and the Western Conference. And it doesn't happen. I mean, quick, very quickly, Kawhi went from – One of the best two way players we've ever seen to now being a guy that we're not sure what he's going to look like when he's on a basketball court, if he's on a basketball court. And it's the same thing with Paul George. And then the Lakers would be another example. Get Anthony Davis here. I'll take care of the rest, says LeBron. And they won a championship. It was a bubble championship. And it was the perfect scenario for an often injured player like Anthony Davis and someone like LeBron um, that takes great care of his body to just be able to grind for eight weeks and win a championship. But now you're looking and you're like, is Anthony Davis even worth the trouble anymore? Do we need to look for a trade for him in the offseason? And so there's organizations that do that. They get the big dogs and then they, they kind of, in a sense, wring, wring their hands of it and say, okay, I did my job. I lured them here. Now they got to go out and win. And then there's other ones who just stockpile draft picks and trade away uh, players in order to get more draft picks because they don't think they're going to be able to, to keep those guys signed to their organization anyway. And then they just get to float like in – Uh, below mediocre waters, but I think that we're going to see a shift. There's a much greater need for quality role players on these teams. You can't just get three good to great guys and think that that's going to automatically get it done. What would happen if the Brooklyn uh, Nets still had Jared Allen? They threw him into a trade and that guy ends up being an all-star for the Cavs. He would have been a great rim protector for them. You think he would have came in handy in this Celtics series? And so those are oversights that I think teams are learning from, and they're not going to do so much in the past. And the other thing is that young guys, I think, are going to have more involvement on some of these teams. You look at a team like the Memphis Grizzlies. There's very few traditional veterans on that team. Steven Adams is a veteran, but... This series right now, he's not even playing in because it's a bad matchup for him. You have guys like Desmond Bain who are young, but they're ready to compete. And we've seen, again, easy examples are, are teams that LeBron's played on where it was almost like he was allergic to players that had been in the league for less than three years. He's like, ah, I trade that dude. I want to take Mike Miller back and play with him for for another year. And you need those fresh legs. That's This Celtic series, that's why it's gone the way it has is that you have – players like Tatum, who can do it offensively, but then they also have the legs to do it defensively. So he can provide pressure on Kevin Durant as a primary defender a lot of times, and then also go down and get a bucket. And Durant's not going to be able to do that in the same way that he could when he was with Thunder or or the Warriors. And so I think that there needs to be this uh, more like team-focused shift and for teams to be much more cautious of who they're bringing into their organization um, with that said next year if brooklyn has all their pieces back and their pieces are willing to participate again ben simmons is a whole separate discussion um it it's wild uh that that dude shows up to the games and um just doesn't play i mean that this is going to take a second so he he's targeting a game four return practices and says he has back soreness and then can't play in game four. What does that mean? Now, for one, backs are notorious for uh, players being able to just kind of pretend they have a bit of a tweak if they're a little uncomfortable and don't want to don't want to play yet. I think Simmons is a guy that would do that, but a soreness after having not played basketball for ten months, I think is in some cases, okay, you can withstand some of that and go play for 10 minutes for your team. And then if you're seriously hurt or the soreness continues and it's not a a natural soreness and it's a result of a legitimate injury, then you sit out game five. So there's just a real issue right now that I'm having with some of these players, like a Zion doing uh, between the leg 360 dunks after practice and not suiting up in a really super intriguing series right now that they're having with the Phoenix Suns. Like here's the Pelicans who no one was taking serious in the matchup against the Suns. And then bam, Booker pulls a hamstring. Guess what? The Pelicans can win that series. And guess what? If Zion was able to play in that series, they might be favored. Here's a dude who averaged 27 points a game in his last full season. So I have some real problems. I don't want players um, feeling like they need to play when they're injured but I'm definitely at a point now with some of these guys and the way that they're handling um, their participation in games that I'm questioning the severity of their injuries. So it's a big if for the Brooklyn Nets, but I think next year, if they get Harris back, Simmons um, comes into the fold and and actually plays. And then same thing with Kyrie, like if he doesn't find some uh, reason to go, I don't know, on a spiritual quest in the Himalayas or something for six months, um, and, and gets back to form, then, then Brooklyn could again be favored next year. But as for now, the Celtics put the clamps on them and um, embarrassed them, actually.
0: Yeah, they did embarrass them. And, you know, yes, Brooklyn could be really good next year. You know who could be better next year? The Celtics could be better next year. <laughs> Celtics they didn't could even, be have, Robert they yeah, didn't even mean, have Robert they, Williams. They didn't have Robert Williams for the he, full he, series. Yeah, he only played – his first game that he played was, uh, was last night. So – um, and these guys are only going to get better as good as Tatum is right now, who's been one of the best players in the playoffs. Jalen Brown is not far behind him as far as his level of play. And, and you end up Jalen Brown does it a little bit differently, but you look at the box score at the end of the night and you're like, dang, like he filled it up again. He he just gets you in so many ways. And Tatum is uh, so good at creating off of the dribble that he creates and hits, you know, has the ability to hit, I think, more difficult shots, which, you know, makes him more, uh, slightly more of an elite player. But Jalen Brown is right there. And it's really like a younger, healthier version of, I think, what the Clippers wanted in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the, on the East coast with also really good role players. And, um, you know, the way things are are shaping up, You know, I think that the Celtics have to be really happy and the Miami Heat have to be really happy with how things are shaking out, especially with the Middleton injury. You look at the Philadelphia 76ers. Harden looks like he's – to me, Harden looks like he's done. Like he looks like he's – this trade with Simmons and Harden looked like it was not win-lose, lose-win. It looks like it was lose-lose for everybody, right? But I mean, it was two guys that you're getting paid an insane amount of money and they're not – they're not doing what what they're getting paid to paid to do. Uh, I feel slightly bad for Embiid, but the way that the Sixers are playing, I mean, they have a lot of talent on the roster. Maxi's really a solid player; he can explode. Um, you know, uh, Chris, uh, or their shooter, six eight wing, real athletic um, guy for the 76 Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. Uh, I was going to say Chris Copeland, um, Tobias Harris. I mean, he he can he can get you twenty, you know, on any given night with solid defense, and he's got great size and length. So, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised if they make it hard on anybody. Um, if they beat Toronto, I mean, they might. I mean, it's kind of a coin flip. The way Toronto seems to have figured some things out, and they also look faster, more athletic, a little more hungry. Um, but generally, if you got the best player in the in the uh, series, which is Embiid. You should win. So, I mean, they'd still be my pick. But if you're Boston or Miami, this could be shaping up to me an unbelievable Eastern Conference final. I would love to see those those two teams play seven games. And, yes, Miami had a great season. They earned the number one seed. But there was always a little bit of, like, eh, I don't, I don't know. But Jimmy Butler is back to the bubble, Jimmy Butler. He is back to, you know, getting forty getting 36, his offensive game all of a sudden has gone, boom, exploded combined with his defense and his passing. And that's always been the thing with Jimmy Butler that has kept him not in that tier that you're talking about. All right, this could be the best guy on a championship team because he didn't have all the offensive firepower in his game. Like another player does. But in 2020, for the most part, he did. And we're, we're two years later, and it seems like whatever that is, he's got it again. And uh, so that could be an epic battle. And out on the west, I think uh, <laughs> Golden State Warriors have to be like, wait, we've been banged up, we've been injured, and we're finally healthy. Things are clicking on all cylinders. We should try to put you know this series to bed in five games uh, against the Denver Nuggets and you know if they can do that they kind of watch the rest of these series unfold phoenix limp which seemed like the title favorite and if booker doesn't come back hamstrings are a tricky thing man hamstrings are a tricky thing if, if he doesn't come back phoenix might not even make it out of the first round and this is looking like golden state could almost walk all the way to the finals
1: yeah the warriors that's been a really pleasant surprise and um I want to touch real quickly on Jordan Poole. So I think he he's cooled off a little bit. I think he had like 11 points in his last game, but he had dropped 30 in the three previous. Um, is what a great situation for him to land in. So he's on my Mount Rushmore of like most annoying Michigan players, um, you know, right up there with Mo Wagner, Hunter Dickinson, who I can't stand. Um, but I've really been rooting for him since he came into the NBA. And just a great spot for him to be. And someone that you can tell by looking at, I tweeted this, I think, earlier in the season, you can tell by looking at him that the dude lifts. Like, he's he's all about basketball. So he's working out, he's getting shots up. And he came into the NBA with a, a ready mindset of, like, I can make any shot that I take. And he was false on that. That was false thinking. But when you then become shooting partners with somebody like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, Dude, what a what a blessing that must be to have that mindset and then be able to to have somebody like Curry to help you craft it. And then you have the freedom to also take some of those crazy shots. Like, I don't know if you saw the sidestep that he did on Boogie Cousins, like back into the the back corner um, to hit a three. It it was wild. I, I watched the clip and I was like, oh, so it was an end of the shot clock thing. No, there's like 14 seconds left on the shot clock he took this wild three fading away out of bounds and nailed it. It's like, that's gotta be a lot of fun. And so as much as I disliked him in a Michigan Jersey, I am happy for him. And um, I'm happy for an organization like the Warriors, because I think they, they do it right. And they have guys that do it right. We, we don't hear the same concerns about guys on their roster that we do about teams like the Lakers of Brooklyn.
0: Yep. hundred percent. And that shows in how they play their style of play. Um, there's times where, pool now that this team is back fully loaded. Right. You had pool plan when Thompson was out, pool playing when Curry was out. Now they're they're back. Like all the firepower in, in the world is back. And so he has to, it's this it's this very difficult combination for a player where you have to understand I have to keep this irrational confidence that I have combined with the great skills that I have, because that's what makes me great. Right. Which is pool. But at the same time, you have to have to sacrifice some things because you have probably the two best shooters that ever lived on your team. And it's like, you know what? Yeah. I could get my shot right here. I'm feeling pretty good about it, but clay Thompson is coming off this pin down and I got to hit him. And it's going to be an interesting dynamic because Is there going to be enough shots to go around for three guys that can absolutely fill it? And then meanwhile, your fourth, you know, leading scorer is Andrew Wiggins who who can give you a a quiet 2025. And you're like, was was he even out on the court? And you Mm -hmm. you might look and be like, Oh yeah, he had 22 points tonight. You're like, what, what? I didn't even know he was playing. Right. And so it's really, I mean, Curry and Thompson have mastered this being unbelievable lights out shooters could literally shoot it anytime. You'd be like, yep, that's fine, but give it up, give it up, give it up. And if pool can start to get that aspect of his game to rub off, you know, can can Curry and Thompson rub off on him in the the passing aspect they clearly have with the shooting aspect, then their, their team goes to a whole nother level because right now pool is a creator for himself. But if Poole can start to get to the point that Steph Curry is, where Curry is creating for himself, but he's also creating for everybody else. Now, if you got Poole and Curry creating for themselves and others, combined with everything Thompson is comfortable doing without the basketball and Wiggins comfortable doing without the basketball, I don't know if you can you can stop them. Like, I mean, it, it would be a perfect matchup to see how that spacing and skill and shooting would match up against really, I, I think, one of these teams out in the East that are more, you know, physically imposing. And it'd be an awesome contrast of styles. I, I'm, I'm excited, man. The NBA playoffs have been fantastic, and uh, it's only looking up from here. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah, I think uh, now that you mentioned it, a Warriors-Celtics finals would be great. a lot of fun just to see those those styles um, clash there. Well, I, I want to end. So, where where do you stand currently with who's going to make it out of the West and who's going to make it out of the East? We're allowed to change our picks.
0: Yeah, it's funny because before the playoffs started, I did a little mini podcast and I picked the Suns to meet the Bucks in the finals and the Suns to win this time. Um, but as you know, both the Suns and the Bucks have injuries. And uh, because of those injuries to some of their best players, Booker and Chris Middleton, I mean, I don't, I don't see either one of them obviously making it to to the finals. So th- those would be the two, the two teams that we've just touched on: Warriors, Celtics, and man, I don't know. The, it's a, it's a little bit of like, what have you done for me lately, as far as the eye test and the way that they were able to lock down such talent like the the Brooklyn Nets makes me think man maybe the Celtics like this is their year maybe it is their year to go all the way if I had to pull for a team I'm pulling for the Warriors so I I I guess I my prediction would be Warriors over the Celtics in seven games but I I would say I am 60 percent sure of that pick
1: Hey, there you go. I think, yeah, right now I'm feeling most comfortable with a Warriors-Celtics matchup in the finals. What would be interesting for Phoenix is, you know, last year on their run, they were missing Chris Paul for portions of it. Uh, some of the time he only had one arm. He wasn't even able to shoot. And and so they were able to kind of weather that storm and it, weird somehow he got healthier throughout the playoffs which like never happens for a player it's you get injured and then you get even more worn down throughout the the grind of the playoffs but they they weathered those individual games and then by the time he went to the finals he was pretty well back to normal so i i do wonder with the booker injury like if you told me all that the suns have to do is is beat the the pelicans um, and booker will be back for that next series then from there i'd be like you know, back, back, I think on the Suns bandwagon because talk about a supporting cast that knows their roles and knows how to play in tight games. Yeah. Um, and you can really I'd defend. Still, yeah, exactly. So I think I would still then favor uh, the Suns over the Warriors. But um, as it stands,
0: Warriors Celtics finals for me. Yep. Yep. Hopefully these guys get healthy. And, uh, you know, you always want to see teams at their best, which is uh, part of the game. So. Hey, appreciate you. That was fun. This was one of our best episodes as of the past, maybe this past year. I think this is one of our best episodes sharing our thoughts, break it down the game. Good job. Thanks,
1: man. You get you get players as someone who loves basketball and as someone who purposely picked worse teams in middle school so I could play against the best because I knew it'd feel all that much sweeter to beat the big dogs when I didn't have the best of the best on my team. Players like Ben Simmons. Zion Williamson, all these guys handpicking their teams and and then coming up with excuses, it really, really, really gets me fired up. So I can talk about that all day.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Die Hard Hoops podcast. Appreciate all of our listeners. Give us a shout. Give us a shout. Five star rating. Five star review.